What's your favorite word? Um, I had one the other week. Oh, no, I had one the other week. It was a really nice word. Oh, someone said something yesterday. Dissuade. Don't be dissuaded. Okay. That's such a cool word. That's a cool word. Your least favorite word? My least favorite word. Racism. What turns you on? Turns me on how? That's that's open. That's open. Yeah, it's open. Um, blackness, cool. like really dope blackness turns me on. Cool. Now, uh, what turns you on? Um, <laughs> delusion. Yeah. Grand delusion. Cool, cool. Um, grand delusion. Grand delusion slash dishonesty. Okay, cool. What's your favourite cuss word? Swear word. Ah, now you're gonna get me in trouble. I'm trying to stop swearing. It's okay, just for the Oh no. It's um Do you know what? When I'm directing or when I'm in a often when I'm in a directing space, I don't know why, but I swear it's disgusting how much I swear. So like I'll have like S like everything's coming out, so when I'm not in a directing space I'm just trying to speak clean. But um I don't have a favourite because I'm saying it all. Oh gosh, no, you don't get in trouble. No, I can't. You don't have one? I want to show my mum this. Alright, we'll keep it PG, we'll keep it PG. What sound or noise do you like? What, sorry? What sound or noise do you like? Just her general like voice or her music. I don't have to hear that. I don't want to hear it. Even her talking voice really. Just leave the whole thing alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What profession other than you uh, do you currently do? Would you uh, would you like to attempt? Law. Law. Yeah, I often think I should have been a lawyer. I'd have been bloody sick because um, I think that might be my favourite word, bloody. Because it's cheeky, but it's clean, but it's like your mum could roll. Yeah, like do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, one time there was no fish on Good Friday, so we're the bloody fish. So I think we can run it. Um, but um, yeah. Um, uh, what professional group would you accept now? Yeah, because there's something so interesting about defending people, justice, and talking and persuading people, and not being dissuaded. Yeah, which I really like. And um, what profession would you not like to attempt under any, any like circumstances? I wouldn't want to be a fed. Calm, calm. And uh, any reason? Well, do you know what, actually? That being said, I wouldn't really want to be... I wouldn't want to work in the police. Particularly in this part of the world. Yeah. Or over the pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I wouldn't mind being a detective sergeant. Okay, cool, cool. But I'd say the reason I wouldn't want to be is because of the history it has for people like me to engage in those forces and the history it has for people like me to not engage. Yeah. And so it's a place that's still learning to take people like me in. A lot of distrust in, in like minority communities, things like that. I think that's their language. Yeah. And I don't think that's our language. I mean. I think the police, that's their language. Their language is there's a lot of distrust between the police and communities such as mine, which for me I'd say is the black community. Yeah. Um a black British community. But I never really heard black people say they don't... I, I heard black people say they don't trust the police, but that language was coined yeah. by the police. Yeah. I think the feeling is not distrust. The yeah. feeling is oppressed. 
Right. The feeling is dismissed. The feeling is abused. Mm. It's not distrust. It, like, there's people that I be around every single day. I don't trust them, but I keep them there. Yeah. They work well. Yeah. So it's not that I don't trust them, and that's why I won't work with the police. It's that they abuse me. Yeah. They oppress me. Yeah. They, they disarm me. Yeah. In turn, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's bigger than distrust. That's their language. Yeah. Um, and uh, lastly, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I know heaven exists. I believe that. Right. And... Um, I have this poem called Is There South London in Heaven? Because yeah. I believe that that's where my brother is now and I think um, I know that when I get to heaven my brother's going to probably be in the South London part and I'm going to chill with him there. Right. So that's how I feel about heaven. Yeah. Okay. And um, alright, well that questionnaire is from is uh, well I first come across that questionnaire uh, a show called Actor Studio. Yeah. James Limpton. But it's originally from um, uh, a French journalist called Bernard Pivot. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a questionnaire that I really enjoy. Uh, I used to use a lot. But, um, okay, what's your name? TD. TD. Um, where are you born? Zimbabwe, Harare. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And, uh, I mean, what do your parents do? My mum's an engineer, biomed, and my father, he passed away when I was young. Okay. And so, yeah, I've always kind of had this, um, this really, like, scientist, like, scientist, Formula One-loving mother who's just really, really different to most other people's mums, and she's been really, really dope in terms of making me become an academic and being two parents and being dope and showed me what a superwoman was so if when you ask her what, what, what does my mother do or what, or, what, or, what, or what does my parent do she's like an all-round superwoman really yeah that's i feel like that's her job someone you look up to thousand percent calm yeah um can we talk about like early academic interests yeah um i hated maths <laughs> i really wanted to like it but i couldn't especially when you're coming from my house where everybody is so sad is so into science and, and they're yeah. so into chemistry and physics and biology and there's you and you're just am I dumb like from earlier I thought like I must be a bit dumb and my brother was super smart everyone was so like academically inclined and I won't say I wasn't but um I remember in the summers my sister my sister took care of us and took right. care of me a lot because my mom was working and um we she, she used to make us go to the library and we wouldn't talk for hours 24 hours in a day we'll talk for about two three yeah because we always had books to read yeah, yeah. and so I'd get through a book a day sometimes. Like, I just used to read. And so, whilst I, from young, was not really good at maths and I wasn't really, really into science, I was really into English and I was into words and I was into books. I became into poetry very young. And so, academically, I began to really shine in those areas. So, like, literature and and science? Yeah, I've always always quite enjoyed literature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until I realised... Until one day, I'd say I got to about year 10, year 9, and I said, as much as I love reading... I ain't reading nobody like me. Yeah. And so... No one who, like, represents Yeah. I I, I couldn't see myself in what I was reading. Mm. And so, alongside this, like, profound love for literature, I had a profound love for, like, Trouble TV Mm. and MTV because I was seeing me. Yeah. And then um, I found that with literature, I became very angry and resentful of it. Right. Because I thought, I'm in love with this thing and and you don't represent me in the slightest. Mm. 
every single lens is extremely wide yeah. and canonical. Okay, sorry. Canonical in that um. What does it mean? It means a canon is essentially the greats. And so when you think of literature greats, you have Wordsmith, you have Bronte, you have all these old white dead people. When you think of theatre, you have all these old white dead people, the canon. Even in Hollywood, you have the canon. Tarantino will eventually, or if not already, is part of the canon. The yeah. canon that we that, that, that exists currently is often white dead people. And it's only now we have people like the Denzel Washingtons joining the canon of the greats in literature, film, whatever you want to call it, even yeah. in science. I'm sure you have a canon. But um, canonically, literature is still very white. Yeah. Theatre is still very white. And so it took me a long time to stop being resentful of that. When did you... um? I guess that's um, a complex thing to 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 carry on with and, and not move away from as such. But like, was that something you felt earlier, as in like primary school? Or I'd say it was there, but then they used to do this thing. The education system did this really manipulative thing where once a year we'd get to read Benjamin Zephaniah. Yeah, yeah. So you forget. <laughs> no, that's not a joke. That's so not you a joke. forget that we've been reading white people the whole year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we read we Benjamin get... Zephaniah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we read that poem by. That, that geezer, John someone, half-caste. What does it mean to half be half-caste? Cast, yeah, I remember that. And you read that, and you read all these, you know, little things there, dope things there, but little, do you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah, not yeah, enough. It's not yeah. enough to feed anyone. And a lot of it was um, very, like, simplistic in terms of placement, yeah. and, like, the, the more... The, you wouldn't get the more complex poems. Yeah. Um, by, I'm, I'm not, like, well-read on Benjamin Z- uh, Zephaniah, per se, but yeah. I remember, like, being given a book that sort of looked like something like Dennis the Menace, and it had literally a few basic poems in there. And it wasn't, it didn't feel like, okay, we are going to explore this and this is an important read. It was like, all right, here's a little treat, guys. Quick yeah. poem to read. But um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about um, sort of what you were, were reading in like at a primary school age. Um, was there anything else that you, that you uh, took to that early? Mm, I took to the Bible. Yeah. I thought the Bible was fascinating in that. What version? What version? I think throughout my life I've read different versions. But um, I always say read the the one that you can understand. So if you're inclined to read the New King James and you like big words, read them. If you're inclined to read the a simpler English version, then read that. Yeah. But for me, it was the stories. It was hearing about people like King David and Saul, like really complicated men and women and... It was just so graphic to me. Yeah. And I saw films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was taken to Asian literature. I went for a phase where I was obsessed. It was really weird. I needed a holiday, but that was... I had, I had a Bollywood phase, never Did literature. You? <laughs> like, have you ever... Are you a Bollywood fan? No, I, okay, I can't watch cool, it, cool, but cool, I can cool, read it. Cool, my, cool. But my sister used to bang out. Okay, I never cool, joined cool, it. Cool. It was like a... It was a classic. Um, Armour, Akbar and Anthony. Oh, that sounds dope. Look it up. Is it? It's, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool movie. But yeah, um, Asian literature. Yeah, Chinese literature. Any, any people, any specific people. Any and me was big. Any and me by Mira Sayal, That was really, really dope. Yeah. Then reading things like East is East and then watching them. Yeah. That was really dope. And just people that I didn't get to meet in my part of South London, I was now reading about, and that kind of opened me up. Yeah. Um. So, were we in secondary school? Did this carry on? Did you? Uh, who else did you take to at that? Like, I think I might have got a bit lazy. Key stage three. Three. I'd say I got very lazy in key yeah, stage yeah, three. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember what I read, but I knew I had an interest. And 
I don't know, in secondary school, I think I was so busy, I was so much trying to find myself. Yeah. That I probably became very sloppy academically and became very sloppy in a lot of things, but I was young. What, I mean, you sound like you were very engaged in primary. Yeah. Was there a reason you, you felt disengaged when you, when you were like going through secondary school? At first, no. Mm. Year seven and eight were very kind of normal years. As most, school. yeah, most of us enjoy the the first couple of years of secondary. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It yeah. was cool. Um, in the middle of my secondary school experience, my mom got really ill. Yeah. She got cancer, and um, yeah. I want and I'll say if anything that made me more interested in who I wanted to be. Right. That didn't put me off. That that woke me up. Right. And then that's when I realized how into drama I was. Okay. And that's when I began acting. That's when I began working so I could act. And um, at that point in my life, I thought I was going to be an actor. So I started to even think I needed school. Yeah. Because I thought I was going to be Taraji P. Henson. Yeah. It took me four years to realise I wasn't that good. <laughs> but um, I'm happy I did that, though. Yeah. I'm happy that I wanted to do something and I stuck, and I, and, you know, stuck I really to stuck it. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, at that age, what what were the things that inspired you um, outside of the, the things you were reading? You've mentioned a few movies like East Disease. Mm. Um, yeah, the classic, uh uh, what other things inspired you, like movie-wise, let's say? Movie-wise? Um, i say... At that point in my life, I don't think movies inspired me the way they would inspire me now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't... For me to... In terms of what pushed me in the direction I ended up going into, mm. I think it was fate. And I know it sounds like... Fake or fate? fate. fate. Okay, cool. I know that might sound crazy, but... I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was young, and I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And everybody was telling me to be a lawyer. And I probably would have been a decent lawyer, but... I just thought, like, do you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do this. Like, mm. I, I, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. And it just felt right, like a good sock. Yeah. I put that sock on. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that landed really well. Oh, yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, it fit like a sock, man. And it just works for me. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else was fitting. And you had, I had all these friends around me. You had ideas of what could potentially fit them. And I was like, that don't fit me. And, and that don't fit me. And I'd rather take up my eye than do what that, like, so I mean, like, I don't want to do none of that. I think I'm going to do this. Mm. And then um, I hope you don't mind if I fast forward. But um, yeah. when I got to college, um, I went through some stuff where I was then diagnosed with cancer. And um, I remember I'd just finished treatment and they were about to put me on remission. And um, it was time for me to go to uni in a couple of months. And um, I was just going to... And I was literally just going to put down sociology. You know what I mean? A lot of people I went to college would just just do sociology, became social workers or something like that. And I was going to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. I think that's dope. Yeah. And I wanted to work with people because I believe I was made for people. But um, yeah. my mama said to me, if you do that, you're almost definitely going to fail. So you should just go pick drama and pick English because you love them and you'll do very well. And obviously, coming from an African background, African parents don't tell you to do English and drama. And so um, I thought, okay, yeah, cool. it's like finance-based study. Yeah, so I picked it. in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. you know, take something that you know you must definitely do well in. Yeah. But my mom didn't care if I did. Well, she she she, well, she cared if I did well, but she didn't care if I had money because she knew I'd make money. Yeah. She knew she she knew I was capable of being able to survive, but she wanted me to be able to express what I had. Yeah. 
and to do the God-given thing in me, which was to create. And so um, I was just coming out of treatment at that time, and I thought, right, cool. And I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. How long were you in treatment for? Um, not a long time. Um, only a year a or year. two. At what age? I got diagnosed at 17. 17? Yeah. I'm not going to pry too much into that. Yeah. I just I You don't... can ask questions, it's fine. I know, it just kind of threw me off. That's, um, oh. that's yeah... Um, it's a serious mindset and a serious experience in it. Um, but uh, what I mean by that is, you know, you started off the you started off like talking about like Asian literature. Mm. Um, what was the word? K- Canons. No, I'm not sure. K- 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 I'm not sure. Feeling a little bit thicker, but it's no, can- no canonical way. or something. Canonical literature. Canonical, yeah. Canonical, uh, canonical Early, I mean, that's something that I'm, I'm unfamiliar with, I guess. Uh, maybe it's something I've, I've come across, but not had, like, a, a word to define it. Yeah. But you just... You, I think we've all come across it. It's just Exactly, but um, you, you've, you've come across, to me, anyway, with, like, uh, someone with a very serious mindset, and just to hear that you, you go through something like that at 17 really, like, drills it in. Yeah, to a degree. Um, Right before that happened, my brother passed away. He was stabbed. Yeah. And so my mum always says that perhaps my cancer was just a, was just a reaction yeah. to my body shutting down, to losing my best friend. Yeah. And sometimes I prefer to see it as that. That makes it make sense, what happened. Yeah. I'd say if I was to put the cancer into three little bits so that it, it would be comfortable to listen to and easier to kind of understand, it was an experience that challenged me, broke me, made me cry, made me hurt, yeah. and eventually made me want to live. Yeah, and I was. It was a very young age to realize that you want to live. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Seventeen, eighteen. Realizing, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, I want to live. I don't want to die. I want to live. Yeah. Um. It was a mad creative time because I hustled more than ever before. Mm. I didn't tell hardly anyone I was sick. So mm. at that point, I still wanted to act, and so I still went to drama school part time, and I still, you know, tried to do the whole academic thing. I still tried to just make sure. I wouldn't fall behind because I wanted to be the very best in whatever yeah. I was going to do, whatever that looks like, even if it was eventually just going to be, even if yeah. it eventually was going to be social work or teaching, I just wanted to be the best and I didn't want to lack in any way. But thirdly, it was this thing that made me, man, mm. you know, like I came out of that with half the friends I had going into it. I came out of that with half the strength I had going into it. I came out of that, but I came out of it with a bigger mind, though yeah. physically I may have had less inside of me i had so much more yeah and i think i'm in a place now when i'm creating i'm still just releasing what it is i've been through and it gave me a strength like a super saiyan experience yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't see cancer as this thing that tried to kill me it's a thing that gave me super strength gave you life yeah gave you life yeah no so nah, actually it didn't give me life it it taught me yeah. about life but it couldn't give me life because okay. cancer's poison okay. it didn't give me life but that's just my opinion it's, nah, fair. it's a lot to say, it's a lot for me to say to be honest it's someone no 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 we're cancer, but no nah, yeah i know it's just I, f- I felt that man i felt that um so like you survived this like horrible thing um poison and um did you go to uni after that point or i did yeah i did um my mum made sure she encouraged me to do drama okay. and, 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 and literature, and English literature, which I did. And universities are an institution created and governed by right. white people. Okay. And they are still yet to embrace black students across the board. 
particularly in art subjects. Right. And so the entire experience for me was just this was at times disorientating because in my actual academic study, there were few people that looked like me and felt like me. And a few people that didn't look like me, a lot of them had never met someone like me. They came from the country and they knew about three coloreds in their area and they would say the word coloreds. In two, in a big 2015, 16, 13, was, you know, that was their language. Yeah. And so for me, that was a learning experience to meet people and to meet white people. Yeah. For me, it was important. I had to meet them. I had never really met them the way I met them until I got to university. I never really met drama until I got to university. And I'm not seeing an industry as opposed to a passion. You know, I think for a lot of us in the creative fields, we have this passion and, and it's in our bedrooms and we love it and we pour and, you know, we, we give it water and we feed it. Yeah. And then we get into the industry or whatever passion that is. And we see how horrible that industry can be and we confuse the industry with the passion. And so we start to hate on it. And it's like, no, that's just the industry. Still love your passion. You have to learn your industry too. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, that's when I've been really, really begun to learn my industry. Okay, cool, cool. Um, what uni did you go to anyway? I went to the University of Kent. Um, I'm not sure why I did that. Yeah. If I had the right understanding, I probably would have gone to drama school. Yeah. yeah stayed yeah. in London, but that's how far removed I was from this kind of industry. Mm. I never met anyone that did what I wanted to do, and so I just said, right, "Let's go to uni and figure it out." Yeah. Um, there was so little education for me, and so um, I excluded myself from so many opportunities that were available with or without the money. But um, it was an amazing experience for me. Because I always say that uni is not just about what you learn. Um, it's, it's, well, it's, not just about, it's not just about your academic study, but it's about who you meet and yeah, what you yeah, become. Yeah. And so I did my BA and my MA there. And um, I learned a lot in those yeah. four years. Uh, is that when you decided that theatre was for you? I think I always knew that. Yeah? Yeah, it was like my little boyfriend. I always knew that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. But um, I would say that that's when I knew I, was, I would never give up on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was your first, um, like, uh, I don't know, when did you first like, dip your toe in, in terms of theatre, your um, first experience? As a director? I mean, I, it, just your first encounter with theatre, whatever it is, it's not, it, yeah. Um, well, I'll say that was years before uni. I want to know the journey, do you know what I mean? I'll say that was years before uni. I'll yeah. say that that journey began when I was about 14. Okay. I met these people, actors in South London, who were connected to my church. Okay. And um, some of them were actors, some of them were directors, and they were really, really dope. Yeah. And some of them were doing really, really big things at the time. Yeah. You know, like Gone Too Far. Um, they were directed by Destiny Karagard, The Lion King. And so I'm surrounded by all these amazing black creatives, and I just wanted to be like them, literally. I wanted to grow up and just be them. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'll say, say, say that that was my formal introduction, but my introduction to directing was halfway through my degree. Okay where um, I had this play that I'd been writing for like two years and um, I re- and, and, I, and I wanted to film it, like I wanted to make it into a web series I could, because back then everyone was making a web series so I wanted to make a web series and um, I tried for about two years, the web series was dead, like it was, it was appalling it I can't tell you Come on. Come on. <laughs> you know what hopefully it's not on the internet innit, but um, it should be gone, all traces should be gone but it was called Scene Scene. Yeah. Right, like, cool. like scene. Like what was it about? S-C-E-N-E. It was S- about... Oh, right. Like a... Yeah. A cut. Like, yeah, like cut. cut. Scene. Action. It was about this group of young people and they were all drug dealers. Right. And just about their lives. But the drugs were just a MacGuffin into what we really wanted to talk about, which was who they really were and what they yeah. really felt. And so I had this script and 
I had a rubbish web series and I thought, you know what, I'm going to make it into a bloody play. Mm. And so, um, and I tried to look for a director to direct it for me. And like, everyone was like, nah, 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 nah. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to direct it myself. Yeah. So I directed it. My first Resources play. or just huh? no resources? Or no you... resources at yeah. all, mate. I was working at a summer camp to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it with my girl, a phenomenal writer. Her name is Any. Um... If you want to find her, that's any integrity. Okay, cool. Love <laughs> like my friend. Right, yeah, yeah <laughs> and she's a dope, and she's a dope, dope, dope MC as well. But um, okay, cool. she was the one, and she, she, but she, but she was a writer producer on, on it with me, and it was our first play. And my boy Tommy, MTMG, was also with us, and um, the play was amazing. We used to break into South Bank to rehearse. Mm. They can't arrest me for that now because it's years ago. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we used to be so... We, like, we were just young. We, yeah, we had no resources yeah, and we just yeah. made it happen. And we did it in a community centre. We mm. sold out and it was amazing. And we were just young and we went on tour. And we did like we did all these things. We did all these things. And um, for me, that was when I really got my toe wet. And that's when I realised that um, a lot of plays will have a lot of resources, which I don't. And that, and, that, and that doesn't mean, and it cannot mean, that I will not direct. Because right. it was important for me to have people that looked at me come to the theatre. And so resources or no resources, I was going to do it. And for me, that that was when that happened. Okay, and um, so that was your first play? Yeah. Uh, no, web series, but... It was a play. Let's call it a play. Um, play, web series, whatever. Yeah. Um, what was your next step after that point? Um, I was still a student. Yeah. So I um I was still I don't ever want to call it a side thing because I always tell people don't ever call like your passion a side thing that's your main thing you know your selfish job like is so. yeah treat yeah, it like yeah, so yeah, yeah. your other job is the side you know act accordingly but um after that I continued to write and I continued to direct and I continued to create and I did yeah. so for the next five years different right. plays some of, some of them I look back now they were appalling and I'm not proud of them some of them I think were dope some of them I wish I'd had more resources some of them I wish I'd filmed. But essentially, I just continued to create theatrical experiences for black communities. And um, I did that all over the country almost, yeah. What was the um, the development through that process? Like the, the different things that were that inspired um, some of the individual plays? I'm assuming you don't yeah. want to highlight the titles of the plays you're not... Different plays. So after that, after scene, we went on tour. We went to Leicester, we went to Canterbury, we went to a couple of cities. Um, we developed it. Um, after seeing, we did a play called... An important play that happened after that was called Man, Body and Soul. Okay. And um, we did that in Peckham um, at the Bussy Building. And that entire play, like, it was fused with, like, these really dope poets and these dope singers and these actors. And I'd say the inspiration for that was just people. Mm. But then that's when something really special for me was birthed. I have this obsession of Little Italy. Okay. So like Robert De Niro, yeah, no, Pepp, like yeah. all of them, man, and like their films, and I was just obsessed with them. And um, I used to watch these films. I used to drink them like water, and I used to be like, "Oh, this is so sick." And then one day I was like, "Do you know what though? I'm in love with these films, and I can't see myself again." And and and, and that similar resentment from young came back, and I thought, "Do you know what? Back in the day, I would have just dismissed this thing that I love, and and and, and I would have found a new love. But now I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this love black, essentially." Yeah. And yeah. so, for the first time ever, I did a play where I explored black Italians in Little Italy and was in New Jersey and we was eating pizza. Like, it was just, it was fun and was just having fun with that. And I think that's when I began to disorientate white spaces with black voices. Okay. And um, that's when theatre got really fun for me. Yeah. 
Um, that sounds dope, by the way. Uh, hmm. So we've gone through like a, a I mean, what was that? What was the name of that play? That so that was Man, Body and Soul. Man, Body and Soul. But then I continued that thematically okay. for the next couple of plays. So I did a play after that called Jungle. But Jungle came up after a breakup, my first breakup. And my only breakup. But um so I so I so I did like this really weird D'Angelo like Erica Badu thing. Yeah. Where like I just put my heartbreak right in. see my fingers. <laughs> I did this where I put everything I was feeling into a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I learned as a director and as a writer you can't do that. Because now I look back and I think that wasn't the best work I could have created for Why did you people. say that? What? I mean... It was good for me to get out, I suppose. But it it, 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 it didn't make it good work. Mm. There's a difference between work and good work. And I'm very into good work. So you just found yourself sort of like, instead of focusing on, on the quality, you're just like emptying out. It became that. Personally. It became that. I didn't know I was doing it. But then that's the first time I realised that I was capable of um, abusing my status as a director mm. and abusing the fact that audiences would come and pay money. and I don't know, it was a weird experience. and it's, It was a dope experience because now I, I kind of get... Because I, I used to watch all these interviews with Lauren Hill and Marvin Gaye and they were yeah. saying things like, you've got to put your negatives into your work. And I'd be like, but I, I feel like I am putting my negatives into my work. I put the cancer there, I put South London there, I put my brother there. But to put myself so much, like my heart there was was a very weird thing for me. And it's something I'm still kind of learning. How do I put my heart into work? Yeah. Not, not, not my heart, because I have a heart for things, but I mean... Your passions? No, the heart that I won't even show you right now. Okay. You know, the part of my heart that would probably make you feel very awkward. What cuts deep? Yeah, what oh. cuts deeper than deep. <laughs> do you know? Is that a question? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, cool, cool. Um... How many how many plays have you uh, like directed written so far? I'd say directed in the last five years would be about maybe ten. Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and written. Written and shared. Mm, I say about five. 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 Yeah. Okay. Half and half. But I quite enjoy directing other people's work. Okay. Cool. It's less work. Alright. I was going to ask, like, uh, how many of those plays are independent? All of them. All of them? All of, basically. I got my first official commission this year mm. from the Lyric, well, end of last year, from the Lyric Hammersmith. And um, that essentially meant that they paid me to create a piece of work. It wasn't a, a large sum of money, but it was something. And um, they created all the resources for me to do it. Yeah. And so I've been working commission-based for the past year or two with them. Um... I'm now assisting. And assisting is this weird but dope thing. So assisting means you work alongside, hopefully, really, really epic and really successful directors in the country, but um, you're not the director, you're, you're the assistant director. Yeah. And so they make alpha decisions and you make beta decisions. And as a director, you're used to making alpha decisions. So making beta decisions is something I'm still learning how to do. Mm. That being said, I'm learning so much. And I'm doing that with directors who are who who are honestly just quite genius in what they're doing mm. don't mean i agree with everything but i'm very much present and so um it's interesting that journey for me because most directors they come into the industry the opposite way so they assist first and then they start to create their work 
was I spent the first five years being TD and now I'm an assistant, so it's so different. Mm. But the plan is, the plan is to direct main stage work and main house theatres with a minimum of 40K. Like, a minimum of 40K in production values. Mm. It is expensive, we need the money. And a lot of the money is there and it goes to directors who I think make quite poor plays. Not so, going to mention those unless you want to. Nah, man, nah. Man. <laughs> I, I still no got to go work after, man, nah. No <laughs> um, what, can we talk about that? Like, the yeah. journey from um, uh, making plays to sort of needing funding to, to, to put this um, out. Assuming your your first, like, experience in theatre yeah. was like you a complete lack of resources. Yeah. So how did you generate, like, funds? When I was coming up, I was surrounded by people that had the same coming up attitude. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so... I, I, from the back, I say, listen, I can't pay you. And money's a big thing. I mean, especially where like where I'm coming from and the way I've been raising people I had around me. Why should anyone work for free? Mm. I, 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 I never believed in that and I don't believe in it now. But because of the way I was coming up and the, and the fact that I didn't have genuinely, I was blessed to be around people that said, you know what, TD, you ain't got the money, but it's fine. I'll still be in your place. Yeah. And my first couple a of plays... A lot of people are willing just to support I was blessed whatever to be, like, it yeah, is. I think that's a blessing. And I yeah, think, I do that. But it's also sometimes a part of the game. Mm. There's certain things we do. And so I'd say that for a long time, perhaps I, I lived in that kind of bubble where we're coming up, we're coming up, it don't matter about the money we're making, we're creating. But it gets to a point where what we're making can, can only ever be so big. You know, it can only ever be an A4 piece of paper mm. without the funding and the right resources. And how are we going to get to, is it a is bigger than A4, right? Uh, no, smaller. Is it smaller? So yeah. A3? A3? A3 is a... Yeah, it's a bigger one, right? So if you want to make it a free piece of paper, we need some funding now. And so mm. there's like commissions and there's funding available and there's institutions and there's art council, of course. There's places you can apply to. And I will say I never applied to any of them. Yeah. I never did. Um, I spent my first couple of years using my own pocket and just getting a return back. Yeah. Then after that, I was really lucky to get commissions in terms yeah. of theatres that just believed in what I was doing and believed in who I had around me. And sometimes I'd pay my actors and not myself. Mm. And, I, and I didn't do that for collateral. I, don't, you know, I did that because I believed in them. And I know I'm going to make everything back, but I ain't going to make it back today. Mm. But um, with commissions I received, I, I was very passionate about making sure everyone around me got what they needed to get. Or most people, like, I mean, especially my actors, because actors work so hard. And there's this culture where we abuse actors. Mm. And I, I'm already a mean director. I don't want to be abusive to you, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I would say that for some people, it's, I, I, I say that we all have very different routes. For some people, it's funding. For some people, it's trust funds. For some people, it's commissions. And I would right. say, for me, I've been very much on a commission journey. And I'd kind of like to stay on a commission journey, perhaps. Yeah. Hmm. Um, when did you first start getting uh, like funding for for the the work you were doing? I say in the last two years, yeah. I'd received small funding in some ways, and sometimes the funding is not monetary. Sometimes the funding is resources, yeah, which is still quite an abusive thing. Equipment, and, yeah, equipment, yeah, space, yeah. And, like rehearsal space is a big is a big is always like a big big like cost in kind of the theatre world. And so a theatre saying, listen, I'm going to take all of that out. Mm. 
or sometimes yeah i've been in places where i've gotten paid maybe not a large number i've been paid but um different jobs for different well different costs for different jobs but i'll say the last two years have become well the last two years i've had to make the money because i don't work for free no more i mean Mm. that's just me and so i think it's a bit like what i was saying earlier it's um as a director i've also have different roles Mm. and they look like different jobs as well as casting as well as production and so it's different places different things yeah um no no you're good you're good i'm i'm a keen listener i've not ch- like all the interviews i've done i've made a point to like not well to try it anyway yeah. um not to just like take over what people yeah. have to say especially when it's coming from um, a place that's as heartfelt as um as what you say and i'm a bit blown away to be honest i didn't there's a lot of things i didn't know um I don't want to bring up any negatives anymore, but especially to do with, like, you know, your, your experience, like, health-wise. Um, it's cancer, you can say the word. I know, I know. <laughs> when, you, when you haven't been through it, I'm not trying yeah. to just, like, treat it like it's any other thing. I know, thing. I know. But, um, yeah. yeah, but uh, what in terms of, like, future plans and uh, goals and t- uh, for plays and theatre productions? Um, I'll say the future plans would look like me being the biggest, the baddest, the best theatre director to come out of South London, perhaps. Mm. To be someone that really does something, shift something for for black theatre directors. I'm really into theatre. Um, I, I love it to bits. Because mm. it's live, it's right there. You can't forget what you just felt. Mm. You know what I mean? When I leave today, you'll never forget how I made you feel, even yeah. if it was negative. And I hope not, but negative or positive, you'll never forget how I made you feel. And that's what theatre does. It's that live feeling in the moment. And it's something that I don't think communities such as myself or communities from lower social economic backgrounds get to engaging enough and so what i really want to do is be someone that can help push that right. and um whatever that work looks like is whatever it will look like but yeah. i want to get people that look and feel like me into the theater into theaters into theater spaces and watching work and also creating it yeah and um yeah i think at the moment i think at the moment that is the next place uh, do you watch a lot of productions as well? I try to. Mm. I try to. Anyone you're working. a fan of at the moment? I watched Misty by Rinzai Key. Misty's dope. Did you watch Misty's it? Misty's dope. It was it very, was, very dope. I w- yeah. It was beautiful. I watched it a lot of times last mm. year. I was obsessed. Um, I, only got, I was just going to say, I only watched it the one time. But anyway. No, I watched it three times. Yeah. Good luck, I was obsessed. Yeah. I was going to try to defend myself, but no, I was just... I don't, do you know what it was? It was... Um, he articulated things I was yet to articulate. Right. So things I've always been feeling, he really said them in a way that was so dope. Yeah. And so when he got a West End transfer, I thought I gotta go again. Because mm. it's so rare that people that people like him are in the West End with a play like that. And so I'm gonna show the West End that I will turn up. Powerful performance, man. Powerful. Very powerful performance. Weren't expecting I mean, I didn't know too much about it. It was just like um it was off the cuff, someone just invited me to come mm-hmm. down and watch a play. You just left like pretty stunned. By How did the whole it make thing. you feel? Um, there was like a real determined approach um, that, like, you're not sure if it's coming from rage, obsession, or like. Neurotic is a negative word, but it's just someone who, like, you've watched the play three times. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm watching it the once. So, from memory, it's like the obsession with what he was doing, taking in all the outside opinions. 
um, all the things you need to avoid when you're mm. focusing on one thing and you're not trying to have people taint you. And when you're you talking about working um, on things that like that are from the heart that cut deep, dealing with that while other people have so much to say and yeah. you've got someone who's talking to you about budget and who you're appealing to and buddy buddy bar all the different things you have to think about. It was just like this guy took this very very seriously yeah. and. Um, he bodied that pretty much on his own, not to dismiss anyone yeah. else who was on there, but it was it was pretty. It was a one man show, like no. No, it was dope, man. It, it was amazing. Was, it was. A, I haven't. I've been to a few fair productions here and there. It's not something that I've um. I deal with religiously at all, but. I'd it, invite you to something. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I'm, I'm taking you up on that series. Okay. Um, but no, it was a. Yeah, it was. It was. It was moving. I'll say that just to keep it simple. It was moving. You know, yeah. I went on a little bit of a tangent. Um, I wanted to say so. Um. Um, I've like I've stopped being in the news as as of late. Um, but one thing I've been aware of is that uh, unemployment, yeah, is um is on the way up, and um it's it's likely that the next generation of people not speaking it to existence, but there'll probably be a lot more. Now you're good. Do you, do you support? Oh, right, that's cool. You good? Five past five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, five, five, five. Calm, cool. Um, I haven't got too much longer to go. Yeah. But, um, I was saying, so, uh, uh, yeah, there's going to be a, a it, it might be bold to say a lot more, but um, maybe there probably will be even more encouragement for people to find, um, to take their creative pursuits more seriously and, yeah. and sort of find, like, like, money that way. Um, do you have like any particular advice for people like next gen people going through it now I say there's never been an easy time to make art mm. to make work that matters to you but to make money from doing that is there's never been an easy time to make money either in my honest opinion mm. and um, I don't think it ever really will will, will, will will be I think it's always going to be something that um, communities as well as governments alike will try to dismiss and try to take away funding from Yeah. and if they're the reason we don't I used to say this thing to certain actors. It was really mean. It was quite, it was quite cutthroat. But I used to say it, and I still kind of say it sometimes. Mm. People that are TD, I want to act, I want to act, or TD, I want to rap, I want to rap. I don't do it. Oh, but if you got excuses, don't do it. Mm. You know, stay before, like, stay what you're doing. Conviction. But, you know what I mean? Because can't no one teach you conviction? Can't no one teach you integrity? You gotta have it, or you don't for that thing. Do you know what mm. I mean? If you, if you, if if, if that's what you feel led to do. And you feel like you're going to do it, then do it. Do you know what I mean? And so there's never been a better time than now. Do it. I'd say it won't be the easiest thing. And you've got to figure out what your season looks like. There's seasons where I worked for free. Mm-hmm. And I would never tell anyone to work for free. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying there are seasons that will look different to other seasons. And I'd say that if you've got something that you want to make, then make it. Just make it. And you'll be so surprised at the way people will take you in. Because few people are making. Yeah. It looks like people are making things, but they're not. And no one can make what you want to make. I would say be head smart as well. So look for collaborations. Reach out to, if it's theatre, reach out to theatres. If it's music, reach out to people in that industry. You know, let that industry know that you have arrived. Mm. A lot of us spend a lot of time in our bedrooms with our dreams. Get, like, watering these plants that we call dreams. And ain't, can't no one see that plant but you. Yeah. Take the plant outside and show somebody, look, this is what I'm dealing with. If you don't have the result, if you don't think you have what, what like, if you don't think you can help me now, that's fine. I'm just letting you know that I'm present. I'm going to keep being in your space until you... Ha- 
I mean, like, take it by force, you know? Yeah. And I, and I feel like it took me a long time to have that kind of confidence in myself and what I was creating. I stayed in South London in all these little theatres, dope theatres with dope people, mm. mind you. But I spent a lot of time second-guessing myself. Um, until I had some people, people who I never, people who I never should have needed to validate my work, say, you're really good. Come into our space, come into... And, and my biggest regret was allowing them to invite me. I should have walked in. Mm. But because we've been told by nothing, but because we have this long feeling, it's a bit like the police thing that we spoke about earlier, this distrust, this, this distinctive feeling that that's not me. That's not for me. You're not for me. Mm. We've, we have taken ourselves out of buildings, where, out of buildings where, where we should exist. Mm, mm, mm. So go into those spaces, infiltrate those spaces, show them your work. Protect yourself, create. But my only advice, really, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not the smartest advice. It's not like it's not, it's not very bright and, and you know, thematic and whatnot. But um, my advice is to do it, man. And when you do it, do it. Mm. Like be about it, do it. Cool. Well, um, thank you for taking time to speak to me. That's um, fine. My bad if this went on a little bit longer than you you wanted it, it to. Uh, it went on a bit short, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at the time. No, because I was just reminding you, reminding myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, appreciate your time. And um, please look into teething um, and uh, check out our plays. Thank you for having me. No problem.